0: Johnny Carson once interviewed Betty Davis and asked if she had any advice for young starlets wanting to get ahead in Hollywood. She suggested take Fountain. Fountain Avenue runs parallel to Santa Monica and Sunset Boulevards in Hollywood and is often used to avoid the heavier traffic. And isn't that what we're all after? A smooth run, no holdups, not only in traffic, but also in life. How do people handle those holdups, the rejections? How do they create a life in the entertainment capital of the world? How do they identify and express their uniqueness in a place where hundreds of thousands are hoping to do the same? Welcome to Take Fountain, compelling stories from passionate people who've made it, are making it, in Hollywood, writers, comedians, actors, filmmakers. I'll talk to anyone with a story to tell.
1: Welcome to Take Fountain, a podcast of passionate people working on their dreams. Compelling stories from Hollywood. Your host, Ella James.
0: Hello and welcome to Take Fountain. Um, I've got a fabulous guest for you today who is raw, authentic, vulnerable, Probably not what you normally expect on Take Fountain because we talk about journeys and the fabulousness of it all. But um, this particular woman, my God, she opened up on Facebook with such openness and honesty. And her experience echoes so many and it's not spoken about. And I think it was about time it was. I met... Fabulous Australian actor Alex Davies in the green room at William Morris Endeavor while we were both competing for a voiceover audition or something, and um, and we immediately you know hit it off like a house on fire. Of course, I was a little bit oh my god, it's that chick from McLeod's Daughters, um, you know, like all <laughs> saints or something. But anyway, here she is, Alex Davies. Thank you so much for coming on board.
1: Oh, Ella, thank you so much. And may I say it's so beautiful to see your wonderful smiley oh, face again. Yours. I do have very fond memories of that waiting room. That waiting room.
0: And then <laughs> there was a hairdresser. I think you and I were trading Australian Australian right. slangisms across the hairdresser that was a little bit of fun.
1: That's right. De- Deborah. De- yeah, Oh, bless yeah. oh, oh, her. Yeah, speaking of hairdressers, um, been I've in, been in lockdown for um, almost nine weeks and... <laughs> spilling dry, I was thinking, how am I gonna make myself look look,
0: somewhat presentable today? And I should say, Alex is now back in Australia, and we're going to talk about that journey. But when we did meet, it was in Los Angeles. So I think let's do the uh, chronological thing, and we'll start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Um, You were nominated for best new talent for the Logies back in two thousand three, and that was for the Young Lions,
1: wasn't it? It was yes. I um, it was one of my, oh, it still is one of my favourite um, favourite jobs that I ever that I ever did. The the growth, the learning from that particular show, getting to work with the likes of um, Alex Demetriatus, who is my police cop partner, and um, and the you know the adorable Tom Long, who you know unfortunately we lost to cancer. Um, gosh, it's almost it must be almost two years ago now. Um, incredible actor an incredible friend so that was a really sad loss for the industry and for his family and friends and uh but the the friendships that I made on that show were were incredible and I was really proud to be nominated because I um I worked really damn hard on that show and it's a really tough industry and it was you know it was one of my actually it was my second lead my second lead role the first lead was on a sitcom with the beautiful gene Kitson oh that, that was my called gosh. flat Chat. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was actually my first major gig which I I believe I was told much later on that I won over Rose Byrne. So I thought that was a pretty main feat <laughs> considering yeah. how amazing she is. And I do know Rose because we spent lot she grew up in Balmain and I had a house there for 10 years when I was um going to university to drama school yeah. at the University of Western Sydney. So, yeah, so from from, uni, from drama school that went to um, getting an agent, and then um, and Alan Wilson was my agent at the time, and gosh, he was brilliant. And uh, he ended up leaving the industry, which sort of put, you know, confused things in my career a little bit because, you know, you start get working with someone and then, it, um, you know, you've got to find someone new and reestablish that relationship. But yeah, but young, so flat chat then led to the Young Lions and then McLeod's daughters were seeking me for a lead role at the time and but i couldn't do young lions and mcclouds so they kept they you know they found ways to get me into mcclouds um over the course i think i played two different characters actually over the course of that um of that show and um and a whole range of other things secret life of us i did a special guest starring episode in that and um and everything under the sun. I did stuff on the ABC, did, you know, stuff up in Queensland, I did Beastmaster, which was an American, um, got to play this warrior princess. I had a six a 16-hand black stallion horse and a wolf as my sort of pets, as my you know, and I had this really cool weapon that, you know, I had to do all this sort of stunt fighting, so, and I'd never done that sort of stuff before. So they got me a stunt double and she was awesome she made me look good but
0: there was
1: oh, no, of- no, no 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 no. I mean I even I, I
0: run in, you know I do run in every morning and um and we came up against a really steep um part of the hill and um and I actually had to get on my bottom and come down because I felt like I felt like my ankles were too far away from my chin, and it was just too steep. You know what I mean? And I thought I'm <laughs> going to come a cropper here, so I'm going to yeah. I'm going to get on my my arse. And I said to my walking friend, um, "I only do that to impress the boys." And he said, "I'm not impressed." I said, "Well, next time I'll take off my top, then." You know, I'm like what's it? <laughs> but you know.
1: <laughs> Yeah. I know, I must say going uphill, going uphill yeah. is a lot easier than you, kind of coming back yeah, down. Yeah, absolutely, huge so I problem. The I'm still getting, the, still
0: getting the sand marks out of it. Um, it's a real, um, you know, I have an audience of people who are both within the industry and outside of the industry, so this is more for the outside of the industry, but it's kind of known that to come over here you do a bada boom, bada bang, bada bing, and that is you do television, you get cast in a feature film, and then you come over here and and Wushka, off you go. That's the plan. That's the
1: plan. Yeah, the plan doesn't well, always does come, come to you. fruition, though, does it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, was it was it kind of like that for you? Did you reach a stage in your career where you thought, okay, I really want to take it to the next
1: level? I did. So after I completed um, four years on All Saints, so I'd basically been going back to back, working really consistently. Um, you know, doing really well and um, um, career wise, but also financially, I was very smart with my money and, um, bought property, which I then sold in order to make the move to the States. And, um, I did a couple of trips, did a few little pilot seasons and then quickly realized you can't be here unless, you know, even the O one one yeah. visa is starting to become obsolete. So you really, you do need to go for the green card. So I applied for that. It was like the flick of a coin. Um, if, if, if I got it, I'd go, if I didn't, yep. I'd stay. Um, but you know, taking time out to have my son, um, I have a beautiful little actually it's his birthday next week. He's turning eleven, little Happy Indiana. Birthday. And um, You're yeah. gonna have lying about
0: his age. Oh my god, let's say he's six. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, he'd actually tell you he's twenty. <laughs> <Trust me. laughs> he's one of those kids. <laughs> he's been around I oh been around the block on this on this planet. Oh, for, so know, was he born many in Australia? Ago. Was he born in Australia? He Aust- was born in Australia. Okay. Yeah, he was born in Australia, and then he was 18, or oh, what was it? it, was about he was about 20 months old when we um, flew over as, you know, like immigrating. And um, so packed up everything in the house, you know, we had a full shipping container of all of our belongings and everything, and it was, well, let's just, you know, put it all, putting it all in black. And at the end of the day, you never know unless you go. So you've you got to get to go and regardless of the outcome although you know that's the sort of advice you give to yourself but then when things don't feel like they're they're going so well the idea of coming back with your tail between your legs is not a very interesting prospect and I'm a very I'm a very competitive person I'm a very driven person and when I know what I want I go after it wholeheartedly and um, i did have you know some success early on i i entered the united states in my early 30s so so it was in 2012 i was 33 so you can work out how old i am now um and uh i <clears throat> yeah we, we got quickly got set up home wise and everything renting a place couldn't buy at the time because you know with credit and blah 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 didn't have that sort of history yet but um was you know auditioning i had a great manager and um, and I was getting out on some really big stuff. Got to network test on a massive show, um, which didn't quite happen. So that was a bit disappointing. But at the same time, it was going to be shooting in New Mexico, and I was going to have to sign a six-year contract. So, which I would have done absolutely. Yeah. But <clears throat> you know, it's um, think just thinking about you schooling and things. I don't, you know what I mean? Like for for the little one, maybe it was a blessing in disguise? Who knows? Anyway, it's, um. from there, I, I ended up getting, uh, I, led th- I, I did three independent feature films um, as a lead, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. And then things weren't coming, you know, thick and fast. So I wanted to make sure that by the time Indy started school, that was the sort of benchmark I set for myself. Because mum, I said to mum, when did you go back to work full time? With my, I've got an older brother, Lewis. So between the two of us, she said um was when you when you started kindergarten, I was full time. So I always had that as a bit of a benchmark. You know, you can't just sort of sit around and let the pressure be on your partner. Um at, at this point in time I was I was married, um, which I'm now no longer, but that's all right, that things happen. Um and uh but I didn't want I didn't want the the weight of the financial responsibilities to fall on my on my ex husband. So I at what other things could I possibly do in order to still fulfill my dreams and still be chasing the dream but not, you know, to start thinking realistically what if it doesn't really pan out the way that you want it to. So I started writing my own my own stuff and I wrote a 20-minute proof of concept called mm-hmm. Run, which I also produced and directed and starred in, and that um It was a huge success and led me to um, being offered a job as a director on a feature film called, well, now titled Angel Baby. It had a different title at the time. But an American producer saw my work on Run and he happened to be looking for a first-time female director, specifically female, for this project because it's a bit of a um, a, a female reservoir dogs. Mm -hmm. So it's a kick-ass action film. And I um, helped do a, a, a you know, a director's pass. Bit of, there was a few things that needed to be rewritten because we changed one of the main characters to, from being a male to a female. And, you know, the, there's a love triangle involved, so navigating, you know, the, all of that required, uh, you know, quite a bit of work throughout the script. So I, um, you know, I put so much love and passion into that that I, I realised... And, and Nick, my producer, who hired me, he said, um, "Why don't you go shoot some some of it?" I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah," you because know, I've just got cameras laying around everywhere, and you know, just money piling coming out of my bum. It's <laughs> it's not it's not quite as simple as that, but I mean, you can you can go out there and shoot some stuff on iPhones and do things, but on the cheap. But I'm the sort of person that uh, if I'm going to do something, I want it to be as professional looking as possible, especially if it's to show to investors and and that, um, that you know what you're doing. I don't want it to look amateurish. So I, I ended up spending 15000 of my own money, which I took a, a loan from my parents. And then when I sold my house, paid them back. And I'm really pleased that I did because it's been an extraordinary business card for me. Um, I shot it on the Ari Alexa Mini, which is a fabulous um, camera that Sony makes. And with anamorphic lenses now for those who don't know the industry that's <laughs> it doesn't really matter the point is the point is I did it properly and right. I paid everyone got all the necessary permits so I produced that one as well and yeah. uh, I didn't I didn't act in that one by this,
0: stage, this by this stage the marriage is over and you and India are on your own
1: that's that's correct yes sorry yeah because I've jumped around a little bit but yep. um so uh, yeah and we did we had to you know when when the when my marriage ended I was um trying to just sort of make ends meet. There was a lot, there were, you know, there were lots of bills. We had a mortgage. And um, so I was, I had crew, yeah, the, the, my crew that I met for Angel Baby, I met because I was um, was renting out the house for film location shoots, which is, you know, a great way to make some extra cash when you're in L.A. because there's always things going on. Mm. So I met some great people um, and uh, the crew were Phenomenal, and actually, I know you interviewed Martin Dinglewald recently. Yeah. he was. Um, the, it was actually Cipher. It was his show that came to the house. Oh no, that was the group. Oh, I can yeah. imagine. And Marty. Like, yes, <laughs> Marty realized on the um, on the call sheet when he got the call sheet the night before. He said, um, he goes, no way, Fourteenth <laughs> Street. He goes, that's. Hang on, I've got to check the number. And he goes, no way. He says, it's Alex's house. So, you know, we socialized and had barbecues and they used to come over and have swims in the pool. Mm. And um, and here he was coming to my house to work. And they were there for the, for the full week. I haven't seen the episode yet because I don't get Roku, but um, but he's done really, really well out of that. I'm so proud of him. He's been a dear friend for, gosh, nearly 30 years. We've known one another. So, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's great. He deserves every success because he's such a good person. Um, so anyway, we, so we, we had lots of fun that week and I got to know the crew really well. And I thought, God, maybe this is the time that I need to do this, go out and shoot Angel Baby. And the DP, um, who was working on, on Marty's thing at my house, he suggested this fabulous location, which I would never have known about. And, uh, so I got to it. It was like a sign. I thought, you know, you, you go, go do this girl. And, um, and my son Indy, he's he's in it as well. He plays the son, and he's fabulous. The crew all thought that I'd hired him just because he's my son, but he's actually quite a um, quite a little superstar. He is. He's been my rock, um, you know, through all the ups and downs of things. He's um, well, I think- he's the one that keeps the smile on my face. I think.
0: It must have been so hard, and this is why I wanted to talk to you because, I, I mean, I know that there are, there's obviously some gems in there, and you're not, your career is not over, but you know, you did indicate, well, you did say to me, it's stalled, and it's kind of like what next, and, and that, that started to happen in LA before COVID, um, so I wanted to talk to you about that because you know, it's, it's very difficult. Because you're constantly trying to show you the best side of yourself. And I get that. Not you, but us. You know. Yeah. I, don't, yes. no, I, don't, I know, you in general. I don't think acting is the only um career where this happens. But I think particularly I was reading about um in the in the press last week, Paul Capsis and Amanda Harrison, who was in Wicked and all of these fabulous performers oh. who've left the industry and they've they've started to sell real estate or they don't know what they're
1: gonna do. I actually read the same. I read the same article, and I was actually going to raise it in this in this podcast today too. It is. It's so. It's really sad, and it's so funny because even just recently, I was thinking, "What the hell am I going to do?" I've come back from. Well, I'll go. I'll jump back a bit. Um, so a couple of years ago, it, I did not feel like I could have after shooting Angel Babe, I didn't really feel like I could have much focus on myself and my career because it's really tough being a single parent, at the best of times. And when you're in a country where you don't have family support, and you know, how was I even gonna go for a date? (laughs) You know, how was I gonna have personal happiness again when every single day I'm having to look after this little person, which, oh God, don't get me wrong, I love and adore, but how am I gonna go off to, you know, he was at school. That was basically the only time I got a little bit of reprieve. And during that time, when auditions and things aren't coming, I'd started to work um, to learn the ropes with a producer. Um, I'd lost, and, and, I, and in doing so lost my, my agent. So I was unrepresented. Staying over there <clears throat> ended up working with someone who didn't do the right thing by me. So I lost, so I basically lost my house, um, my income, my career. And, um, and then a, a couple of horrific things also happened to me. Um, I was attacked by a gang. I was—I um, stepped into on Hollywood Boulevard. <clears throat> it was the night after Thanksgiving, and I—I I came out of a bar and was about to catch an Uber home. And I, this is one of the rare nights that my son was having visitation with his father, so I actually got to go out for an evening. <laughs> and this is what happened. So it was, gosh, I don't want to. Why bother even venturing out when? What I happened? I look across the What happened? <clears throat> I look across the street and I see um, <clears throat> this young guy stopping repeatedly on the head of a poor homeless man who was laying in one of these little sort of alcoves on the on the street on Hollywood Boulevard, so on a main boulevard. And um, you know, he had a sleeping bag on him. It was like he was trying to sleep, obviously, with his mere possessions around him. And, uh, and this young guy he must have been about eighteen to twenty, tall, slim, um, d- just absolutely giving him a beating, like he's like stomping on his head. And I just couldn't stand by and watch that. It was it was so traumatic, it was so horrific. It was like witnessing a murder. Um, well, it, and it pretty much was. So I I couldn't just turn a blind eye. That's just not in my nature. So I, I handed my handbag to my friend who I was with. I looked up and down the street to see, you know, is, is he on his own? And he appeared to be because there was no one else that looked like they were participating. So when the traffic was clear, I, I quickly dashed across and I, I pushed him. I pushed him off him. And I said, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Sorry for my language. No, that's okay. Um, and, um, and I said, "You go, look at this poor guy. I said, you're going to kill him. And all of a sudden um, this gang that have been waiting in the shadows, um, a block or so up the street come hurtling towards us and, um, and this woman gets right up in my face and th- these guys, the, 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 the shortest one in the group would have been six foot two So and there were eight of them and I, um, and I went, oh, shit, and so I've got to do some quick thinking, quick talking here to get myself out of this. And I tried to use a little bit of comedy and said, oh, geez, well, hello, there's quite a few of you. Oh, nice to meet you. I'm Alex. <laughs> trying to find a way to lighten the situation because I was in major fight or flight mode, but I was surrounded, so I couldn't flee. So the adrenaline's pumping and I'm just trying to work out how the hell I'm going to get out of this situation. What's your friend doing? And um, he he, um, he had come across the road and he was calling the cops. Right. So he was sort of hanging back. Yep. And... Um, and then I said, and all of this happened very quickly. Do you know what I mean? So, um, anyway, I, um, I, uh, I then tried to appeal to their better nature, but you know, you're dealing with a gang, and uh, they, they appeared to be, you know, high on something. And um, yeah, she was the The leader appeared to be this woman. She was, it was a woman, which was really surprising. The rest were men, but she got up. She got right up in my face. You know, what the fuck are you doing, bitch? How dare you fucking talk to my brother like that. Oh, fuck you up. You know, and when you got someone like that, it's like sort of get like bitten right up in your face. I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. And I just said, guys, you don't need to do this. Like, look at this poor man. Look at him. As if he's not having a shit one as he is living on the streets. Please, you don't want to do this. And when I'm halfway through that sentence, she grabs my hair and just hurls me to the ground like a sack of potatoes. And then they all laid into me. So I had a broken nose, broken rib. Everything hurt. I mean, I, could, I, I ended up in hospital and it was whilst I was at hospital that the police said to me, um, you've interrupted a, a gang initiation. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, their gangs are killing homeless people in order to be allowed into the gang. So that's their initiation is to go and kill a homeless person. Isn't that disgusting? At that point, you think I've had it with this place. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. I've had it, I I felt like I'd had it with life. I felt like this, why my? it was almost like I felt I deserved to be kicked because the kicks kept coming in all different ways. So, You're so stupid. I'm such a fighter though. I'm such a fighter. I had to get back up. I had to get back up. Have As you I got some run. tissues? That's all right. I've got some paper towels. <laughs> bit scratchy, but good. Here we go. I'll grab one of these. You don't <laughs> have to. Your makeup isn't running. So
0: thinking, I'm sorry to make you go there, but we did talk <laughs> about, you know, I just think because there are so many people at the moment, they don't know if they're ever going to work again. They're not
1: qualified to do anything else. Yeah. And this is people in all. I know. This is the thing. It's like, I don't know what I would, you know, you get told, you know, maybe you should go get a real it's job. Really? It's like, well, I didn't even know what that would be. I don't even know what that would be anymore. You know, it's, I, you know, I've once, a an actor, always an actor, and it's a bit hard. Like there's the, there's a sense of pride and ego about it too. You know, you've done all these amazing things. You've, you know, I won best actress in a short film that I co-produced with um with uh, you know my dear friend Georgie and um and her husband Robbie, who directed and DP'd that. Um, and it was a film that I'm that's very dear to my heart called Past Imperfect, which was um, a twenty minute short that. Um, that was that, that deals with mental health issues and her, you know she has a personal experience with that and so do I. Um, I was diagnosed with panic disorder when I was in my 20s. I did a lot of work when I was um, on All Saints to raise awareness with Paula Duncan and Jessica Rowe. We, we did a lot of work together and I remember coming to the set one day to, uh, at All Saints and they um, there was like the mailman had come and I got called up to the office. To the production office and I thought, oh, what am, I, am I in trouble? <laughs> it was like, he called to the principal's office. I thought, what's going on? And they said, um, "There was huge. It was like a Santa sack of mail. And they and I said, what's this? And they said, well, that's all for you. And I went, what? And it took me quite a few weeks to get through it all, but it was, um, I couldn't believe it. The, I, I ended up telling my personal story about my struggles with um, anxiety and depression and being really on the precipice of, of taking my life back when I was 23 and then getting the necessary help um, and and medication and, you know, and working with um, a phenomenal psychiatrist to get me back on track and, you know, getting to that, that getting, you know, reaching that place in life, especially when I had not, you know, I had a great job, I had my house, wonderful friends, family, there was nothing I could be, upset about, there was nothing I could put my finger on it. Just, you know, the black dog, it's, um, it's one of those things, you know, and I constantly through my life have to like do struggle with it. And so therefore when these other, um, horrific things happen to you, it can really wear you down and it's a real thing. And, you know, we all need to just be aware of, of one another. And everyone's circumstance is different to yours. And it doesn't mean that yours is worse than anyone else's or anyone else's situation is worse than yours it's just we're all in this together and I know that's become this saying during COVID but it's it honestly is so true you know and, and the times that you are really down you can often I know from my personal experience I shut down and I go to hide yeah, and sometimes it's really hard to get out I of my think. bed even, I hate because I don't know the- are you okay day
0: and the and I hate it is that, it, that oh. I suffer seasonal depression, um, um, situational depression. So, if somebody asks me, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Fine, I'm fine." I'm more humiliated that I think, "God, can they see?" Like, you know, I. I I want to hide. I'll go off and I'll lick (laughs) my own wounds. And I've got my tools now, and, you know, the meditation and the tapping and the, and my support group that I go to and, and all of those things. And I'm, I'm very fortunate in that way. But yeah, I hate this notion of being able to disclose to somebody, no, I'm not okay because, like, what are you going to do about it?
1: You know, like, I mean, yeah, I guess, well, The fact that it's—I uh, do understand, and I think there's there's merit in it to, um, for those who have no kind of concept, Ella, for what people like you and I experience. It's in a way, it's—I it, think it's—it's it's like no, it's Valentine's not. Day. <laughs> it's, it's for the people. Who, it's for the people who don't. It's for the people who don't know how to yeah. say "I love you" or give flowers or just be nice. <laughs> you know, here's one day That's that we, scary. Just, we just never That's think about scary. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to Take Fountain with Ella James.
0: Moving right along. So, I also want to say um, uh, to anybody who is who is watching this, um, I did ask you specifically make sure you've got a support network around you. And to anybody who's being triggered by by this watching it today, um, to uh, to also know that that help is there. Um, and not to feel like you're completely on your own. Um, but let's go back. So you're, So this is Hollywood. Um, you are now um, a single parent um, to a child who's just started school. You've lost your agent, so you're not acting unless you're going to produce and direct it yourself. You've lost your house because you've invested in somebody who yep. took you for a ride, uh, which doesn't mean that you're a fool, but, of course, does not make you feel good. Um, and you've also got this added feeling, and I've got to say, let's talk about this briefly. This notion that everybody back in Australia is going to have a have a thought about what's gone on in your career. Do you know what I mean? I wonder. I don't. I don't think I've ever heard yeah. of a conversation yeah. like that. But I know that it exists. That we think, oh, what's everybody going to say? Like, why do we care what everybody's going to say? And is anybody ever going to say anything? You know. Um, uh, <laughs> I just. I want to. Because ultimately you've gone back to Australia, and has anybody said to your face,
1: yes, like anything nasty about not making it in America or was... yeah, yeah, <clears throat> um, it's actually my my, my closest friends um, have actually been incredibly supportive. I, if anyone's tough, it's me. I'm I, I'm the toughest on me. Mm. Um, they they've just They've said we're just so happy to have you home and to know that you're safe. Because, as I mentioned to you in my in our um, in in our well, as you saw on my Facebook post, I, I had COVID last year. Yeah, tell us about that because that was just awful. Um, so I was, I you know my 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 wonderful glorious um, Hollywood career had turned out to be uh, I'm. I'm the number one Uber, Lyft, and Hop Skip Drive driver in LA. <laughs> I actually, I have five star rating across the board, Ella. I must say, I whatever you do, you do it with a smile on your face. Absolutely. Oh my gosh! So I'm racing around doing voiceover auditions, bumping into my my beautiful friend Ella, and. Uh, and then, but other than that, there was not really, you know, I was doing, I was driving by day and, and working on getting um, finance and things for my, for my projects, for my film right. slate. Yeah. And, um, and looking after my little one who, you know, when he was at school, I had a, only a certain amount of hours that I could get out and drive and they're not the best hours to be driving. It's Friday and Saturday nights, you yeah, know, that's that when that you earn the, the better money. Yeah. So I was basically only 10 bucks an hour. By the time you cover your your gas and everything, but it was, you know, I was applying for other sort of jobs, at, uh, f- and you just don't ever. Hear, don't, I didn't even get any responses. So it's not like I just gave up and thought, well, I'm, you know, I was also ducking off and having meetings with, um, you know, to do with my projects, because um, I I made some incredible connections that I still am connected with. So that's why I figured coming back here. What's the point of being there and struggling and versus part of me coming back to australia where i've got family and friends but uh, and, and but the main reason was covid so you know so i'd been doing all my driving and whatnot hopskip drive is a, a, a it's like uber for kids okay and so that was like a care a care position which i actually took a lot of pride in that because i was not only looking after the little ones um take, taking them to school and, pe- and doing pickups from school um i was also looking after elderly mm. as well with, with that particular app. And it gave me a real sense of accomplishment to um, to pick these people up, to, to t- have a chat and, you know, ask about them and, you mm. know, just give, just giving energy begets energy, you know what I mean? So I loved dealing with COVID the or was ones. this
0: before COVID?
1: This was just prior okay. to COVID and then, um, and then. When I the reason I caught it was I was um, driving uh, a man, um, so it was early on in the piece with COVID. I drove down to, um, I ended up getting a ride that took me down to Long Beach, which is where um, the first um, sort of hotspot in LA was. And uh, I mean, and I, I I lived in Studio City, so right near, near you. So I um, the idea of going down to Long Beach, I'd never ever, like in the years that I had been doing this, gone down that that's way. that's long drive. Long that's Beach.
0: like neutral beta Cronulla.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I picked up a guy in Van Nuys. It was my first trip of the day after I dropped indie at school and drove down. And you don't know where you're going too. So you pick someone up and then once they're in the car, it shows you where you're going. And, and I just went, oh, shit, Long no. Beach. And anyway, I thought, well, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, you know, because it wasn't huge, you know, COVID wasn't this, it was still being considered just this flu. And it was early on and it was just this thing that was going to go away. Um, and then the next late passenger that I picked up was an elderly woman who um, was coughing and spluttering and, gosh, poor thing. But the, And it was, it was halfway through the ride I went, oh, and I got her to the hospital, and I helped her out of the car and did a handover you to the nurse. You her to the hospital, or that was where she was going. That's that's where she was going. That's where that's and it was when I realised what the destination was. I went, yeah, you don't sound too well, and uh, on, but, uh, as soon as I as soon as I dropped her off, uh, alarm bells were ringing. So I logged off um, straight away and took myself home because you know that was the right thing to do smart thing to do, and just uh, put myself into isolation. Indy was um, with his dad, so um, I told his father to keep a hold of him, that I had concerns that, you know, I may have been exposed and just needed to check and see. And sure enough, a few days later, I started feeling really ill. And um, and because of my hop-skip drive, I um, job with the kids and everything, they actually offered us a free telehealth appointment mm-hmm. so that we didn't have to get in the car and just to, you know, they, that was actually really responsible of mm-hmm. them. Um, and um, so I took up that appointment when it got to the point where I couldn't even talk without coughing and it was like a Mack truck was just parked on my chest. It was horrific, you know, the fevers, and everything. I lost the sense of smell, taste. So I basically had all the symptoms. I couldn't, at this stage, you couldn't go and get a test. Well, and that's how well, you remember I remember it was all those problems I guess, early on. I think, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but I had every single symptom under the sun, and uh, so the, the doctor that I spoke to, he said, "I'm 99.9% sure that you have it, and you're doing all the right things by self-isolating." So he prescribed me some um, Ventolin inhaler and some pneumonia medication, and um, a whole bunch of other stuff that I took. Um, and without that, oh gosh, I don't know. You know, you didn't was, wind up, in and it's really hospital? scary. What's that? Sorry, you didn't wind up in hospital. I didn't. Um, oh. I felt like I was dying. I felt very close to you know. And the fatigue is just horrendous. Um, I still feel like I have issues with my um, with my lungs today. I still have this little wheeze A um, have long. Um, yeah. So. You know, and then you then you put on weight because you you're at home, and you know, then it wasn't just COVID; it was you know the Black Lives Matter marches, and you know there was rioting. It was it, it just Trump, <laughs> you know, just it, everything just felt toxic across the board. And I and I and Mum said, "Come home, mm. come home," and. Um, I had met someone in October the year before, my partner, Matt, who is here with us in Australia now. And that was really tough because he's American and we didn't know when we were necessarily gonna see one another again, but all I knew was I need to get my little boy back. He needs to be in school. You know, the schools had closed in late February and homeschooling and being in lockdown last year and everything, it was just horrendous. And I was absolutely miserable. I felt like my everything had fallen apart and but by leaving I'd invested so much money and time you know with for my green card it was a it was a huge decision because I've essentially lost that I mean it doesn't expire till June next year but this how, how am I going to go back oh, I've got the little lad you know everything for me is about um I have to I have to prioritize him <clears throat> so I've got to find ways of kind of Surviving and getting through, but at least coming back, I, I was told when I was in um, quarantine, get onto Centrelink and, um, you know, I reestablished myself back into the country on Medicare and whatnot and see if you can get some government payments, which, you know, as we know in, in America, they were few and far between. So, you know, I couldn't even pay my rent and everything. I thought, I've got, I have to leave. So I've come back and, you know, I've, I've tried to approach a few agents here who are, say they love and adore me and fan of my work but I've been away for so long now there's so few roles for women in my age bracket they've got to prioritize their clients that they've had for you know for years and years so I just feel like every which way I turn I'm just sort of walking into a wall and um and then now we're in lockdown again here and it just feels like oh god is this thing just following us and you know, so he has been off school for nine weeks. or oh, sorry, seven, because two of those, we first went into lockdown at the beginning of the school holidays here in the June-July school holidays. So um, the case numbers are, are soaring and, and there's all, you know, just people are afraid to get the vaccine. I'm fully vaccinated now and, uh, you know, each to their own, to your body or whatever, but please just do the research. I mean, people take all sorts of no, different No, No, don't
0: do the research. Please don't do the research because you're not an epidemiologist. Oh, don't yes, tell yes. people <laughs> because they're reading half a line from a weird YouTube and then they're spouting it forth. No, just take the bloody vaccine. You you yes, know. Okay,
1: there we go. I, want, I don't know whether have, how hard to go with that, but yeah, I, I fully. Oh man, I, I'm just I'm so over it. You know. Yeah. I just no, do think, yourself uh, a favor, It's like you know. I mean, how many people have, it. have tried recreational drugs in their life and, you know, there's fucking fr- rat poisoning and that shit. So, and come on. People. <laughs> people eat Cheetos, you
0: know. So don't yeah. tell me you don't want to put stuff in your body. And, and no. you know, the other thing is the first people, no, not the first people, but it is only human that if you are unvaccinated and you get sick, you are going to front up to the hospital, and you yep. are going to expect them to save you. And you are yes. not going to ask them, why are you putting this mask on me? Why are you giving me this drip? Why are you doing that? So stop with this inquisitional apathy. And, and it, it just, it's so
1: anti community, right? I you, totally 1000 percent agree, Ella. Just, it's, you know, it it's, to me it, you you realize you don't want this. You don't want well, this. It's not just enough. An- flu and there's repercussions afterwards and guess what the vaccine isn't going to stop you from getting it but it's going to stop you from being hospitalized and dying absolutely to stop, you know so even now that I'm vaccinated I still show respect towards the community I'm still wearing my mask every time I walk out even when I go for a run mm. because when, you know because I could still catch it and then give it to someone who is immune compromised or, or you know it's this we just There just needs to be more of a community spirit, which I didn't feel there was in the United States. That was one of the largest things about it, just this liberty over life, you know. Like, it's yeah. my constitutional right to not wear a mask, and so I'll piss off. I don't you know? admit but, that. But that's happening here now too, Ella, unfortunately. I in know. Australia.
0: In my personal circle, like in my apartment building, which is about 30 people, and let's add 10 friends onto that, there was none of that. It was everybody caring for each other and I was loving the people and, and it was all, you know, and shopping and so on. Um but I just think the the global thing excuse me that we're exposed to through the media and a very limited media in Australia. You've got one guy yeah. in a soapbox screaming basically. You know. <laughs> um yeah. and so people taking their own media to suit their own inherent biases to what they believe but i i can't believe i mean somebody with a straight face knowing that i was a journalist for 20 years tried to tell me that they had researched it and I said, <laughs> really like um how did that go for you? Like did you did you call the, did you call the professors and get a quote from them? Did you have a look at their studies and and see what the results were of the various studies? You know, I mean it, it I I just I can't exactly. even and my filter has gone. It's gone. I was at a, yeah. I was at a friend's place the other day, she's my one bubble buddy. And hang on, I'm gonna cough, it's not COVID. <coughs> <laughs> i was over at her place and i was getting and um, and i was really open and she recoiled like this and and i said can i go into your kitchen for a minute and she said sure and i opened the kitchen door and i said i can't see any and she said what are you looking for I said, my filters i seem to have lost my filter That's priceless. I just get so cross. <laughs> I just can't do it. I know. I this she I know. Me. I, I'm, I'm 37. I'm I'm to... She said, I'm 37. She'd never wanted children, right? I've known her for 10 years. She's yeah. never wanted children. I'm 37 and I'm worried about my fertility if I if I have the vaccine. I mean, I don't know what to say to that. I really don't. But I've lost all my <laughs> friends now. Now I have to.
1: But because they well, because I'm because of your filter. <laughs> well, do, do you know what? Uh, I'm I'm 100 with you, Ella. It's uh, it's uh, it frustrates the shit out of me, and I just have to stop watching the news and everything. Now I'm just I'm doing my bit, and I just want I just want to hurry up and get out of this bloody lockdown, so that you know, because it feels like forever I've, that in a day that I've been able to pursue things. But I have a, a little gift did come to me. I have been teaching um, at my believe it or not. I went to where I grew up was um, yeah. Castle Hill in New South Wales, and I've been teaching uh, the Year Eleven students acting for camera on oh, Zoom. Perfect. So my old my old drama teacher Annie Babington, who is one of the most charming individuals you could ever come across. We 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 we, we remained friends. She was my drama teacher at Castle Hill High, and. We caught up when I when I got out of, um, you know, when was it? it was early this year. We we reconnected again, and she came along to see one of Indy's basketball matches on a Saturday, and then we had lunch. And it was like no time had passed. She's such a beautiful, beautiful human being. And um, anyway, she calls me up. She says, "Hey, listen, I don't know how long this lockdown's going to go, but um, you know." Can you, just, can you help me out with the year 11s just so I can get them doing something because we can't do what, what was on the syllabus unless we're in person. And I said, sure. She said, maybe some acting for camera because, you know, that's what you've been doing for this yes. in your career. And I said, absolutely. And um, so I've been all this term, I've been working with them and I actually worked with the, the year 10s as well last week. And it's given me a little sense of purpose again. That's something to get up for. Because we all need routine and structure, and that's the thing that's hard, and that and that's what can um, can get you into the funk is is not having anything to do. You know, all that was probably the same for you. When I moved
0: over here, although I was not an actor um, of note at all, um, and no no experience like yours, but people were like, "Oh, I can't wait till you get your star on Hollywood Boulevard." and uh, you're going to be up there getting an Oscar and you think, oh, no, 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 no. Um, but all of that dreamy side of acting, the reality is, as an actor, what you want to do is act. You know, you want to yes. audition, you want to book, you want to be on set, on stage, you want to mix with other actors, you want to take direction, you want to learn from great directors, you yeah. want to find your light with brilliant lighting guys, you know, you want to be doing that. All of the all the fluffy you know stuff is it? just that. It's just the fluffy stuff, and and I rather expect, yeah. I rather expect that um, although you've come back to Australia with five suitcases as opposed to a shipping container, and without without the credits that you really wanted. Um, that there's a fabulous future ahead for you. And I I do regret the fact that there are limited jobs. I mean, somebody said to me the other day, I'm thinking of coming back to L.A., although my agent says there's a lot of stuff being shot in Australia. And I said, well, why don't you ask your agent what breakdowns she submitted you for and what you might have looked in? Because those yeah. those they're fabulous shows, right? Don't get me wrong, but they're casting 12 people.
1: 10 of them are American. Uh, exactly. I know. It's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, oh, are you talking about over there or are you talking oh, about in yeah. Australia? I'm talking about uh, in on, in Australia, I'm kind of with you. In Australia, yes. And that's one of the reasons why I left too, because after having me uh, you know, and taking, you know, because you, unless you've got, this is a pregnant role or you're already in a series and then they work out how to shoot around you or make it part of the storyline, then you, you know, and, and I had a I just did some teaching basically through um, Screenwise with Denise Roberts um, and that was about all I was doing. had Indy and then, you know, I had lots of sort of issues with him. He wouldn't take a bottle from anyone so I was just the walking boob. So it was just very, you know, it was, it was the, I took myself out of the loop basically to, in order to have a child and men don't have to go through oh. that. And there's more roles for men and less roles for women and yet more women in the industry competing for those mm. few roles. So you know, it got to a point where I just went, oh, my God, if I see Asha Keddie, sorry, she's fabulous and whatever, but I- I'm starting to forget, I'm starting to get confused about what television show I'm watching right now because she's in all of them. Is she really? <laughs> I mean, but it's, no, it's, just,
0: she can't it's long been known that the same people get cast over and over again, and they're fabulous actors. We yeah. know that, but it's just how it seems, you know. But anyway, yeah. my darling, we it could is. talk... All day and all night. Oh, we the good. Till the cows come come home. I would (laughs) like to have you back on the show um, when things are happening for you, because I know they will. And um, I wanted to really thank you for your openness um, today, because... um, I I mentioned to somebody that I was having somebody on the show um, who was going to talk about with authentically uh, what it's like when it all stalls or feels like it's stopped. And they said, Oh, you should interview me. Um, you know, because whoa, whoa, whoa," and I went, no, you know, because it's not, you know what I'm saying? That was very articulate Ella. It's not about, it's not about poor me. (laughs) right? Your story is not a poor me story. You're matter of fact, telling me, lost my house, husband's gone, got bashed up on Hollywood Boulevard, got COVID while I was Uber driving, (laughs) um, came back to Australia. They said, we love you. We love you. We love you, but we don't want you. Um, And then you're in lockdown for 11 weeks, homeschooling, 11 year old. (laughs) I mean, I'm surprised that you haven't duct taped him to the ceiling.
1: I know, when you actually sort of count the things out, it's pretty full on, isn't it? It's, I yeah, think I... it is
0: full on. It is full on. But I'm really glad you've got your mum, you've got your friends, yeah. you've got Maddie. Um, you know, love is
1: all. Love
0: is
1: all. Exactly. So I true. hope we
0: get to work together one day. Oh, Ella,
1: I, so I, I do too. I do too. I'm writing a really awesome sort of extending run into a female buddy comedy feature now. Oh, okay. Um, and there's going to be lots of crazy, fun characters. I'd love to have you come play on that. Love to. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's um, I'm, I want to make sure that there's more roles for women. So I think by by writing them and then you know eventually, eventually it'll happen. You know, you just got to hang in there and try and do other things in the meantime. You know, and try and put the pride and ego aside that you you had this fabulous career. Well, things sort of change. Think about what's going to happen next is is what I'm trying to focus on. And sometimes it's easier said than done, but, you know, got to hang in there. Well, (laughs) Alexandra Davis, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Ella James. (laughs) Okay, darling. I'll speak to you soon. So good to see you and talk to you. All the very best. You've been listening to Take Fountain with Ella James. Available at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favourite podcast player. You can also stream on demand at Bytes.com. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.